me to be here. This is my family, and I'm not looking for greener pastures. This, the pastures are green here for me, and uh, there's weeds sometimes we have to pull, <laughs> but uh, I just want to join uh, in with you, and so, or I just want to say to you, welcome home if this is where you cho- so choose uh, to make your uh, church family. Uh, this is the first week of our We Are series, and uh, we just finished over the summer a series uh, on the parables of Jesus. Who enjoyed that one? Well, it's just, it just gets, gets better and better, I'm telling you. This is really, really good. We are uh, going to be looking at seven values that we have here at Community of Faith Christian Fellowship that help us to live out our mission statement, which is loving God. Say loving God. Very simple. Sharing life and proclaiming Jesus. These seven values fit somewhere underneath one of those uh, pieces there in our uh, our mission statement, and we're going to discuss these today. And when I say we are, this tells you uh, what we are about as a people, who who God has called us to be, and what we're about. So today uh, we're going to be uh, looking. We're going to talk first of all. We're going to kind of take that middle part of our mission statement, sharing life, and we're moving it up. We're going to talk the next two weeks over sharing life. Uh, and then the, the following three weeks after that, we're going to talk about loving God. And then we're going to close out with two weeks on proclaiming Jesus. But we're going to get it all, uh, and we're going to start today. Today, we are going to be talking under sharing life. We're going to talk about building lifelong friendships through sacrificial living. You know, in order to understand lifelong friendships, we have to understand who the author of lifelong friendships is. (laughs) Actually, he's the author of eternity-long friendship, and that is God himself and our Lord Jesus Christ. He authored the whole thing. You see, God, even in and of himself, the three-in-one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, exhibit in their relationship to one another. They are one God, but three distinct persons. They exhibit... Eternity-long friendship in life. And out of that, we are able to understand what lifelong friendship is all about. Um, When we're talking about lifelong friendships, uh, we are really referring to what the Bible calls covenant. Covenant relationship. Okay? So when you hear me, I'm going to refer to it as lifelong friendship. But I'm talking about covenant today. And uh, just so you would understand that, God has made a covenant. He has made a commitment and he is, he is committed to a lifelong friendship and an eternity-long friendship with us through the blood of Jesus shared at the cross. We're going to talk a little more specifically about that for any seekers that are here in this room who do not know Jesus personally. We'll talk about that a little more lately, later. But uh, he, God teaches us how to live in that covenant relationship with one another. Uh, otherwise known as lifelong friendship. But it's interesting, if you look at the folk heroes, many of the folk heroes of our American culture, uh, at least in, in the past decades, uh, that we've had different ones such as um, the Lone Ranger, right? Anybody like the Lone Ranger? Uh, <clears throat> he did have Tonto, but he was really a Lone Ranger. Uh, 
it wasn't really a, an equal relationship there. You have the Lone Ranger. For those my generation, I think a new movie came out. Uh, it's Indiana Jones, right? I think you would be familiar because a new one came out. Indiana Jones, you know. Um, then uh, maybe a little bit newer, you got Jason Bourne, right? The guy out there doing his own deal. Why are you laughing? As if I wouldn't know who he is? No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Uh, but, uh, and, and many others, um, there's just a myriad of different ones, but the, the reality of it is the Lone Ranger mentality in our, our culture and in our fables, so to speak, really, really highly values the Lone Ranger mentality and it, and it values, uh, the person who, who kind of lives and does it on their own, the self-made man or woman. Is really highly valued as a hero in our society. However, I'm here to say today that the real heroes in life are those who commit to lifelong friendships. And these are the people, those that commit to lifelong friendships through sacrificial living. These are the people who are going to leave the greatest legacy on earth. You know, as uh, Mark Buckner, I'm going to refer to him later, one of our elders here at Community of Faith, he said, uh, I believe it was Mark Maybe one of the other guys around the table said, if you want to fly, uh, uh, if you want to fly fast, fly alone. If you want to fly far, fly together. Right. And in that sense, well, I'll give you credit for it. Somebody say, oh, it's good. OK. But that point being that um, we really tend to value independence in our society. I don't have time to go into it, but there's so much I could talk to you about about being all over the world and seeing how. Uh, well, I'll just give you one example. And uh, even in our society, uh, we, we value independence in this way. If I were in general. Uh, to meet someone from China, I think it is still this way, and I were to ask them what their name is, and if they would say, Chang, okay? And what that means is, this is my family name. This is the group that I'm associated with. And then you'll find their other name out after that. But for us, it's, it's, a, it's a rarity that you would introduce yourself by your family name, the recognition that you belong to a group. And so we need to realize this as we talk about covenant Relationship as we talk about lifelong friendships today. Um, but I want to say that again. I want you to think about this. What kind of legacy do you want to leave in life? What do you want to be remembered for? I suggest to you the greatest legacy, the greatest thing that you can leave on this earth is having committed to a lifelong friendship with God and with his people. And uh, it will go on forever. As I think about this subject of lifelong friendships, my relationship with Sean Richmond, who is the pastor, who was the lead pastor here for 11 years, and, uh, and who is also the pastor of our sister church, the River Church. I think about that relationship with Sean and his wife, Laura, because I have been friends with them in, in relationship for over 23 years. And Sean and I uh, first met uh, in Waco, Texas. And uh, that was in the summer of 1989. How many of you were alive back then, huh? All right, there you go. You were. In the summer of 1989, we met. He was a senior at uh, Baylor University. I had just graduated from Texas A&M University and had moved into Waco. And we, we, uh, we met each other, and we were young bucks. And uh, we, we, but we got to know each other and really valued uh, the fact that both of us were, were on fire, as you would say, for Jesus. We were really excited about everything about him. We were in our early, early 20s, and uh, the world was just, we were bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, right? And, uh, and uh, we grew together in our friendship. 
And uh, over the course of time, uh, we, um, yeah, we, we got to know each other better and better, and we were spurred on by one another in our relationship. We were friends, basically. And, uh, you know, we didn't work, quote, together in ministry, but we actually knew Mark Buckner, who was training us at that time, and different ones, and we were getting to know each other. But anyway, um, <clears throat> Sean and I had many, many experiences together. We had experiences uh, just having fun together. We had experiences. Uh, we went overseas on missions trips together. We we actually roomed together two years before he uh, got married, uh, which for me was about ten or twelve years after that. And uh, but we we had such such a life. We laughed together. We cried together. We've walked side by side for over twenty three years. And it's been a true privilege to walk in this partnership with him. I owe an incredible debt of gratitude to Sean and Laura. Uh, they've been with me in my darkest hour. <laughs> and dark they have been at moments. And I've been able to return the favor for them. Well, anyway, uh, in the summer of 1991, after we'd gotten to know each other for a couple of years, Sean and I went on a vacation together. And we were just young zealots in God. You know, we were driving. And I mean, we, we prayed over the world and back, over everything. We were just excited about the Holy Spirit, excited about Jesus, excited about everything God had. Well, anyway, we were going to visit uh, his sister and family in New Mexico. And uh, anybody been to New Mexico out there? Oh, yeah. Very nice. Beautiful. We went to Cloudcroft, New Mexico, and uh, Mayhill, a couple of uh, names there, little bitty towns, but his sister lived up in the mountains and we went up there to visit and have a vacation. We played some golf. We, uh, you know, we went to a, a high school football game and, and did all kinds of fun things. But one thing that we did on this trip, uh, was we took, um, a personal day, uh, away in the mountains, in the beauty of the mountains. And we decided we wanted to pray and ask God what he was going to do, uh, in our lives. We were just eager to hear. And we spent the day in the morning time. We went away separately. And, and anybody that knows Sean knows he loves nature. He's singing and crying. And, and he's just, I don't cry as much, but I, I do get touched by God. We were both just, you know, away, just, just seeking God. And we came back together uh, about noontime or a little bit after that. And we were, we were downloading, so to speak. We were sharing about what, what it was that God was teaching us and showing us during that time. And very interestingly enough, we realized God had spoken to our hearts, right? When I say, what do I mean when I say God spoke to us? Was it an audible voice that came? No, that has happened in the history of mankind and it happens still, but it is a very rare occasion. What I mean is that the Holy Spirit indwelling us impressed our hearts uh, to, to either through looking at scripture and, and just a sense of peace and a sense of joy and release in our hearts. So that when God, God spoke to our hearts about the same thing, he spoke about the relationship between Jonathan, the son of King Saul, the first king of Israel, and his, uh, the guy that came after his father, David, King David. And it was so interesting. We were like, wow, God spoke to you about that. And we talked uh, over the course of time um, about it, and uh, we neither of us had any idea. Uh, well, we talked about the bond that was so strong that they sealed it with a covenant. We talked about what it would look like, you know, expectancy of how would it look like to live out a long-term friendship, a covenant relationship. And we had no idea, had no idea that 23 years later, our dreams of living something out together would begin to be 
uh, realized at even greater and greater measures. We were just young guys, probably the age of, of most of you around here and uh, or over there, <laughs> uh, just a little older maybe. Uh, and we were saying, God, what do you have? And God spoke to us and said, what if you lived your life like Jonathan and David did? And you didn't live just for your own ambition, but you lived for me with one another. And uh, so, you know, we all have a desire I would think that all of us have a desire for friendships that last. Anybody out there have a desire? Well, let me ask you another way. Anybody desire totally broken relationships the rest of your life? <laughs> okay. I didn't think so. If you do, we'll pray for you later, and that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, con- as I've said, though, our contemporary Western society really works against it. Commitment to a locality... Uh, meaning where you live, right, <laughs> or to a relationship it is not necessarily highly valued in our society. Um, really, what's valued um, is uh, oftentimes these things are seen as expendable in relation to career advancement. Uh, there's nothing wrong with moving for a job. I'm not saying that. But for career advancement or for, for the furtherment of, of our own comforts and our own desires and how I can get to an easier situation. <laughs> but that's not really uh, how a lot of people have operated throughout the course of history. And, and it, is, it is something that, that works at times against these type of lifelong friendships. I have lifelong friendships with people that live 2,000 miles from me right now. So I'm not saying you have to stay in the same location the rest of your life. But there has to come a point in our lives where we get the spirit of, of God's spirit that covenant spirit in our hearts to say, I'm committed to Jesus and I'm committed to the relationships he gives me above and beyond just living for my own life. It gives you a new grid, so to speak, of the way to uh, look at things. You know, the wealth of choices and mobility, I've seen it. I've been a pastor for many years. It, it has potential to do a number of things, but two extremes would be it either paralyzes you, you know, I can't figure out what to do. I have so many choices. Um, or it, it causes us to constantly be looking for greener pastures because we maybe can get a new job. You know, others didn't have that option at times because maybe we can move. It's a mobile society, but at times we're always looking for that greener pasture, that better situation. And, um, uh, I just want to say that, uh, there has to come a place in our hearts and our lives where we say, if I'm here for a week or I'm here for a year or I'm here for 10 years, I'm going to build in such a way that that makes a life eternity long friendship with God and lifelong friendships with other people. I'm not going to live my life uh, just going to and fro and living with decisions for my own self preeminent. <clears throat> well, let's read today in first Samuel about the relationship of David and Jonathan, and look at God's blueprint for lifelong friendships. Um, the book of 1 Samuel, it tells us of the transition, okay, a transition is going on here in 1 Samuel from the um, what was called the book of Judges, the period of the Judges, which was Israel was a nation, they'd been delivered out of Egypt, they, they had gotten into the promised land, but they were ruled by different judges from different parts of Israel, and it was really a time when everybody did what was right in their own eyes. That's really a theme that goes through the book of Judges. Coming into 1 Samuel, it's transitioning from this loose-knit fiefdom, or whatever you want to call it, 
I don't know why I used that word. I just wanted to, and I think it fit. Uh, but it, from this loose-knit group of people to a monarchy. And uh, this was because the people of Israel were asking for it. God said, I am your king. But they said, we want a king so we can be like everybody else. It wasn't necessarily God's intention, but it's just like God to, to turn it around and, and uh, make it a wonderful, wonderful thing. Well, anyway, in this, in this first Samuel, which the book of first Samuel, second Samuel just takes through the life of Samuel, who was the instrumental figure that God used to see the monarchy, the kingdom of Israel established. So um, as we're looking at this, you've got to remember that uh, Samuel has just anoint, had anointed Saul, king of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin. And uh, that Saul was, had a son named Jonathan, King Saul. His son was Jonathan. And there was also a guy named David who eventually followed Saul to rule the kingdom. And, um, but uh, let's, look, let's consider that as we look today. Um, by the way, this interaction in 1 Samuel 18 comes right after, uh, in the scriptural account, it comes right after David and Goliath, which is, is acted out in my household every day, practically. You know, Dave, you know, Jake, I want to be Goliath. Jude, I want to be Goliath. Well, anyway, it's acted out, man. We know it in ours. I hope you enjoy it. But you've got to realize where we're coming from in order to understand the scripture, okay? So David has just had a victory. Saul has just really been kind of, uh, uh, has abdicated his leadership. And let's read now in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 14. Or, or through 4, I'm sorry. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and he gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. You see, through looking at this Bible passage, we can get an understanding of uh, what building lifelong friendships, right? Covenant relationship. What building lifelong friendships uh, is all about. I want to observe uh, from this passage in 1 Samuel 18, three requirements for lifelong friendship. Are they the only three? No, but they are three that we pick, uh, pull out from this text to see uh, of lifelong friendship, and they come under the umbrella of love. <clears throat> uh, let's look here and kind of break this down. I want to say this, though. When I talk about requirements, uh, these requirements are pretty heavy. <laughs> these requirements, in one sense, sound heavy. Humility, commitment, and sacrifice. But I want to tell you this. <laughs> if, you, if we will build our lives in lifelong friendship with humility, commitment, and sacrifice, we will become the most joyful and fulfilled people in the world. I don't regret one humble act. I regret a lot of prideful acts. <laughs> oh, man. But I don't regret one humble act. I don't regret one bit of the, of the pain it has taken, and it does at times, to build together lifelong friendships that are accomplishing a greater purpose. Let first... Uh, Let's uh, understand that the overarching key, the overarching thing to this is love. It's not the love as Mark Buckner has said before. Uh, he said that um, oftentimes when we say, I love you, what we mean is, I love you and the way you make me feel. 
Or I love me, I'm sorry, I love me and the way you make me feel. And when you quit making me feel that way, I don't love you anymore. And when you quit making me feel good, I'm not committed anymore. I fell out of love with you. Actually, no, you were never really in love with them. (laughs) In all love. (laughs) Uh, Funny. Uh, But really, a lot of times we think, we say, I love you. And that's, yeah, I love you. I love the way you're making me feel right now about me. But when it gets tough, a lot of times. But the real love that we're talking about, that this is built on, is that which Jesus explained uh, in um, the book of John, verse chapter 15, verse 3. Greater love has no one than this, than he lays down his life for his friends. That's the true kind of love we're talking about. So let's look at these three things real quick. Humility, commitment, and sacrifice. Okay? First, it requires humility. It says in this passage that John became, uh, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. He could not become one in spirit with David without humility. You ever tried to be close with someone who's arrogant and prideful? Not a lot of fun, right? Try yourself on. <laughs> Sometimes it's not fun being around me, myself, <laughs> because of my attitude. But really... Um, uh, two people to become one in spirit means a lot of uh, death has to occur <laughs> Two become one through death occurring, uh, not literal death per se, but a death to desires and a death to selfish ambition. Jonathan recognized this. He said, David here, I know he has a heart for God. I know that he loves God. And he ran to the battle line uh, against Goliath with the five smooth stones as, and, and he threw the stone at Goliath and knocked him over, right? This is what had happened. I don't have time to go into too much of the background right now. But he said, man, I see that guy. David has a heart for God. David loves God. I love God. And I want to commit myself to him. Here's the interesting thing on humility. Is that David, uh, Jonathan, gave himself to this relationship. It says in here, if you'll look at first Samuel, that it says that Jonathan made a covenant with David. Jonathan took off his robe. Jonathan gave his tunic, his belt and his robe. Jonathan initiated this relationship. Well, why is this important? Why does this speak so much of humility? Yeah. Tumble. Jonathan was the next heir of the kingdom of Israel. Jonathan knew that David's uh, exaltation meant his lessening in the eyes of Israel. You see, the, the people of Israel, after David had, had slain Goliath, were singing a song. Saul, Jonathan's dad, has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. You see, Saul did not have a heart for God. Saul did not know how to build lifelong friendships. The king that was previous... David knew how to, uh, Jonathan knew how to do that. Saul, it says, got galled. I don't like the word gall, but it says Saul, this refrain galled him. He got jealous. He got possessive. He got everything. Jonathan got attracted to it and said, there's a man in whom God's spirit is on. I'm going to join up with him. No matter what it means for me personally, I'm going to give my life to God. And you know what? I think David's a hero, but I think Jonathan is a hero. Man, he's a hero. Because Jonathan knew. Jonathan could have given in just as I do so many times. Just as you do at times. To selfish ambition. To insecurity. 
to, to pulling back, shrinking back instead of pressing in to relationships. They're painful sometimes. But Jonathan came together and said, I'm going to give my all to God. I'm going to give my all to David. Jonathan initiated this relationship and knew that David, even if he gained the kingship, that Jonathan was willing. Because what, Dave, what Jonathan wanted was God to be glorified in his life. It was more important that God be glorified than he get everything he wanted. The second thing about the lifelong relationship is that it requires commitment. <laughs> it says here in the passage we're looking at today that Jonathan made a covenant with David. This covenant is a commitment. Okay? Um, anyone who's married in this room? Anybody married out there? Woo! All right. It's good. It is good. Anyone married knows that you can have a strong feeling of puppy love, right? That gets you into a relationship, but you are not going to have a good marriage on puppy love alone. You have to have commitment. Let me give you a little example of this. When I was uh, 10 years ago, when I was about to get married to my lovely wife, Sarah, uh, I was best man in a wedding of a fellow that was going to see a, a community of faith at that time named Craig Crenshaw. And Craig and his wife, uh, Christina, got married six weeks before Sarah and me. And I was the best man. Praise God. That's nice. And it was in Texas. It was one of those Texas-sized weddings, Texas-sized reception, you know, everything bigger. Well, it is in some ways. Uh, but anyway, so they get married, and I'm his best man, and we get to the reception. And we just, the, the wedding went off great. I stood there. I was happy. You know, everything was great. But I, I was one track puppy love mind. You know what I'm talking about? I, my wife or my fiance at that time, whom I'm six weeks away from marrying, you know, I'm just, you know, we're just, it's just ridiculous. <clears throat> it's like some of you engaged couples out there. Don't lose it, please. <laughs> But anyway, we were just, you know, just whispering sweet nothings or whatever they might be. I was so caught up in her. Nobody else mattered. Puppy love, puppy love. Well, anyway, it got to a point. Somebody was like, Jeff, it's, you know, I was so out of it. It's time for the best man speech. I'm like, oh my goodness, best man. Am I best man here? Uh, so anyway, I run up, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll take care of this. So I, I grabbed the little goblet or whatever, the, the little uh, cup. What, what do you call it? My goodness. Yes. The flute. And uh, I begin to make <laughs> the flute. Uh, I begin to make the toast. And so I'm like, uh, okay. And then they're right across from me and I got the microphone and I go, Craig and Christina, good life. Lots of love. God bless. Let's cut the cake. And Christina looks across at me with knives, you know, staring knives through me saying, Cut the cake. What a disaster. They'd already cut the cake. I, I said like six words. I, I blew the whole thing. But it was because of that thing called puppy love. Well, as I said, you don't build lifelong relationships on puppy love. Puppy love's okay. It's good. It's good for the puppy. But uh, the issue of commitment's vital in, in building it. And, uh, you know, Sarah and I just celebrated, as I said, our 10th year. Of, of marriage. And I am more convinced than ever that I married the woman for me for all of life. And, and our relationship is better than it has been, I believe, ever. Deeper and wider. But it didn't come through puppy love. <laughs> puppy love isn't what got us here today. What got us here today is commitment. 
It's saying, I have made a commitment before God that I am going to walk and to grow in my relationship with you. Commitment to our lifelong friendship is what's gotten us to where we are. You see, this issue of commitment is vital in building lifelong friendships. And it's in the process of relationship through the ups and downs of life. Sean Richmond and, and his wife, Laura, along with Sarah and I, have built, not us, but with a, long, a lot of other people, we've been building something here in our relationships that is greater than uh, what we could do. It's God among us doing something. We started out 15 years ago. Uh, I didn't like church 15 years ago. <laughs> I mean, I did, but it was such a hard process. It was like pushing a rock uphill, you know, and there was no momentum going on around here. But now we're in eight locations around the world. We're ready to see that expanded out and see God reach everybody for Jesus. But this comes through commitment. Um, you know, one of the things that it's called when you have this commitment over the course of time is relation, uh, is capital, relational capital. Capital, if you look at it, is described as um, that which is used, any wealth used in the production of more wealth. And uh, I really do believe this, that uh, when we build together over the course of time, then we're able to do things with that relational capital with much greater grace and much greater power. And we're able to reach people at a much quicker rate than ever before. I really believe that, that uh, many people are going to come under the grace of God um, but I want to tell you this, and I'm, I'm in a closing here, a, a, a bit of a little, little way to close here. But I want to tell you this, Sean and I have been at each other's throats at times. Sean and I have hurt each other's feelings at times. We have wanted out <laughs> uh, at times, but we have known that God is called us together. We've worked it through. And, you know, there's there's there's. Um, pedestal where everything's perfect in your relationship. It's a honeymoon. There's the pit where you realize, I don't like this at all. I don't like you like I thought I did. And then there's, there's the, the ultimate uh, grace of a committed relationship over time that is so valuable. And, uh, you know, we've been, uh, even though we've been at each other's throats at times, not literally close, um, it, it's, uh, we've committed to walking long haul to seeing God's purpose established here in Boston and beyond. And, uh, you know, um, even when we've wanted to shrink back at times, we want, we have chosen to cling to God and cling to His promise that He's going to do something here that changes the earth for His glory. Sacrificial living, uh, I'm going to go on to sacrificial. The last thing is sacrificial living. And let me, uh, explain that. We've seen humility, we've seen lifelong friendships, and now we see sacrificial living. It says that Jonathan gave his robe and his tunic and his sword and his belt to David. And, uh, title of this this uh, talk today is um, uh, building lifelong